0: Uh, here's another Mr. Smooth. Good morning, sir. How are you?
1: <laughs> Not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but talking about smooth, um, guys like George Benson, Valentine's Day, huh?
1: And, and, and another segue into this is Lady Love Me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 I don't know if you're psychic Meg, but funnily enough, Valentine's Day's been on my mind. Not for the reasons really? you may imagine. It's because of Carrie Lam. Mm. And, well, she's on all of our minds, but I mean... You can't make this stuff up. Her publicity team actually went out and put on this interweb, whatever it Mm. is, uh, 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 a whole thing about her husband's message to her for Valentine's Day. Now, you might say, that's creepy enough. It is. Without, you know, going any further. Mm. But when you see that the message contains is you know, one of the reasons that he loves her so much is... It's because of her firm support for one country, two systems. <laughs> you say, that man is an incorrigible romantic. Pillow talk. You see, if it was me, I'd just say, you know, it's your firm adherence to the basic law. I find that's much more of an aphrodisiac. But, you know, different strokes.
0: One belt, one road. One
1: belt, one road. And, and you know, they were all at it. I mean, um, uh, the, the 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 other... People who aren't going to win the election, election. Uh, the other people who aren't going to win the carry carry lamb selection process. John Chung, um, mm. Mm. he gets puts up on his website a thing from his wife with sort of um, a, 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 an album of when they were courting in the United States and tearful stories Ooh. of how he helped her with her nursing studies. Now what? All of this, and they all did it. I mean, mm. you know, mm. uh, Regina went out handing out roses, another person who isn't going to become chief executive, but you know, good for her, she handed out some roses. But, you know, this is the thing with politicians, they want to use their families. They Mm -hmm. always use their families. And then they say, oh my goodness, I can't have the media Uh, outrageous, they're interfering with my family life. There is such a thing as privacy," privacy, you know, and you think, boy, who started it? I mean, the the ultimate hmm. in this is, and do you know, even wives have their uses. I mean, who knew that? <laughs> Mind you, their uses are to take the blame. You remember the famous incident with, with Henry Tang hmm. and, and, and the mysterious the house, the house when the he basement. had no oh. idea what was going on there, but his wife, who evil evil person, she was. It's all her, t- all uh, absolutely her fault. No, no. So you know, wives do have their uses. And then, I mean, actually even more ghastly is this business with Lan who Ying and his troubled daughter. So Lan Chong Ying goes, you know, it's it's absolutely unacceptable for the media to to to, 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 to focus on this. I mean, she clearly is a, a troubled mm. young lady. Mm. And then he gets the government information services, or whatever it's called this week, to, to push out a photograph of them playing Happy Families on a park bench. So there's a picture of him... Um, the very charming um, wife of his and, and the daughter looking there as though, you know, she would just finished a bowl of cat sick and putting on a sort of, you know, that smile when you're not quite sure whether that was the original cat sick or the, or the regurgitated cat sick. And, and so that's bad enough. Mm. He actually pushes this out as an official photograph to say, all is well, we're all happy families. Then, and this is almost beyond something when he wants to use as his excuse for the fact that that the comrades have told him he can't run again as chief executive, and he says, oh, you know, I've got to resign because there's been gross intrusion, gross intrusion uh, in my, you know, my Mm. family, and I don't want to expose them to this any longer, he actually, the night uh, night or two nights before, I, I may have got the days mixed up, actually arranges for the media to be in attendance. When he goes to the hospital, to visit his daughter, to make the point.
0: Now, Mm. I mean, Mm. you know,
1: Mm. cynical, sick and misguided are words that... Actually, the nicest words, I can think, to describe all of this. But they're all at it. I mean, it's not just Mickey Mouse Hong Kong politics. It's not, is it? I mean, well, the the, the Trump? Um, Well, yeah, but, you know, that's... that's (laughs) Where do you start? I mean, do you start with publicising your daughter's fashion line from the Oval Office... Do you start with having those peculiar-looking children that he has? I mean, they are odd-looking, I'm sorry. Mm, mm. Sort of always in attendance, looking as though they'd taken some very, very strong pill that makes them <laughs> glare into the sun. <laughs> they all got that sort of zoom look. And that poor little boy, you know, his youngest the ten- son.
0: Ten-year-old, yeah. Who yeah.
1: just really, really doesn't look <laughs> as though he wants to be anywhere near this parade. He's a ten-year-old. I, I kind of see where he's coming from on hmm. that. Um, you know, I mean, I'm laughing at this, but it's actually quite sick. It is, isn't it? I mean, th- th- this struggle between um,
0: professional and personal lives, though, for politicians, I suppose, shall we be sympathetic to them?
1: Because, um, <laughs> I mean, it's their fault. And, you know, it's not necessary. No. You look, you look, for example, at, at one of the world's greatest current statesmen, Angela Merkel. Have you ever seen a picture of her husband? I know, I can't say I have. No. Actually, no. Well, well he, he mm. does... I think he kind of appears every four years. And her view is, mm. he's a professional man. He's got his he's life He's got to his thing. Mm. Mm. Um, there's no need to drag him in. I mean, and, you know, she doesn't feel she needs this spurious, humanising effect that apparently is... is yeah, but is, that seems is, to be what it is, isn't it? To, to sort what, of soften... Yeah. S- Maybe it's to soften the image. Maybe it's mm. to make them feel more human. But, you know, she doesn't sort of drag him around. <laughs> Incidentally, the new Prime Minister of Britain, um, Theresa May, also seems to have adopted this position, you know. I think her husband's a doctor or something, but, you know, who cares? She, her view is, you know, I'm the Prime Minister. If you want to have a beef, have it with me. If you want to applaud anybody, applaud me. I'm not a great fan of hers, but I do respect that she's obviously taken the decision. She's not going to sort of bring her family into this, and it can be done. Yeah. How can it be done? By doing it. I you don't... just don't bring them out. You don't out them around. That's
0: true, but you could argue that she's already got quite a hard image, almost too much of a
1: hard well, image, Well, maybe possibly. she has, and, and her view is, you know, take me as I am. I, I kind of quite like mm. that in her, is, mm. is that she's basically saying, look, th- this is what I am. I'm not going to start, you know, doing funny things with hubby. You know, coming down a ski. A ski apparently, they go walking in in, in, in in Switzerland every year for their holidays. That's about as exciting as it gets. But you know, good luck to them if that's what they do. That's what they do. Well, I suppose the the argument is
0: as long as she gets on, and does the job, and does it well, then it doesn't, well, doesn't really of, matter. I kind does it? of
1: believe it. I mean. Americans take this family stuff to an almost ludicrous degree, mm. where, 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 you know, practically every politician is seen coming out clasping the hands of some rather reluctant or, 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 or stiffly smiling spouse. I mean, some of them are very lucky. They have very articulate spouses. I mean, you know, President Obama and Michelle Obama were, were a particularly effective team. Mm. And she, I can say with quite... A degree of confidence would have been a successful politician in her own right.
0: Some of them have fixed smiles. Certainly, when they uh, they're wheeled out, they
1: really do. <laughs> do you remember those? Those? Um, I mean, I'm showing my age, but hey, we've got no pictures here. Um, but but I, I always remember um, uh, Richard Nixon's wife. Huh. Whose, whose name, um, I'm embarrassed to say, I've forgotten. Mary was it? I can't remember. No, I don't know, think I it remember. was. If no. you say it, I will not remember. Mm. It. Anyway, mm. the fact of the matter was, she used to be dragged out by the very unappetising and nasty looking, oh. and as it turned out, quite nasty, Richard Nixon. And she, she always looked as though, you know, if hell had opened up. Pat, this is, Pat Nixon. Pat Nixon. Mm. This is where she would have ended up. Mm. And I, this was the haunting image of the Nixon presidency. I mean, some people remember the Vietnam War. Some people remember, you know, the, the breakthrough in relations with China. I always remember Pat Nixon mm. as being this poor woman who was sort of schlepped around the country by Richard Nixon, um, not looking happy about it at all. Yeah, yeah. Just and me. then, you know, when, of course, he was impeached and, and, and there was that bizarre um, scene of him getting on the plane to leave the white House with with two arms raised with the victory um, you know the victory single on his on his fingers, and there was Pat Nixon in the background looking can we get on the plane <laughs> personal versus private Steve Vines is with us uh, back with
0: Steven America Maybe Carrie Lamb, do we think then Steve
1: oh, I think anybody can call clary Carrie lamb can win this <laughs> election I mean the, uh, nominations are pouring in from her i I, I like. I love the Hungy Cook's decision to, to nominate her. These were the people who said when they saw the other candidates, well, you know, we have to really see their manifestos before we, we, we make a decision. Uh, she's issued half a manifesto. They're going, well, when we said see their manifestos, we didn't mean see Carrie Lam's manifesto. <laughs> that was for the other scum. I mean, the other um, charming people who are standing this election. Anyway, we have our orders and we know who to vote for. And talking of we have our orders, I mean, what is... You know, the, the, the level and the, the um, what's the word, the, the, the kind of lack of embarrassment with which the liaison offices and other Chinese state bodies are putting pressure on the very tiny election committee to do its job, is now, I mean, they don't even bother to disguise it. And we heard the ultimate in absurdity mm. this week when Elsie Leung, who, remember, was a former... Um, Justice Secretary under the Tung Chiwa administration, actually, and, and you know, this is putting the sea in chutzpah, she said, oh, well, the Liaison Office is entitled uh, uh, um, to express its view on the election. It's part of freedom of speech. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Elsie. God, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> There's such a thing as Article 45 of the basic law, which doesn't mention the role of Chinese state bodies in the election. There's such a thing as Article 22, or I keep getting the numbers mixed up, but it's either 22 or 24. Hmm. But one of those articles, which makes it very clear that state bodies are not supposed to interfere in the internal... Decisions which remain under the jurisdiction of the Hong Kong SAR government. But hey, the basic law is only used when it's it's convenient to be used.
0: Yeah, but I suppose so, there's one there's one thing you, you can do stuff sort of uh, under underground. Well, so speak, they've been doing it. And...
1: Yes, I mean you know the, 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 were these were the central authorities involved in ensuring who was elected when the last three uh, chief executives have been elected? Surely not. Well, of course. <laughs> Except, you know, things have changed so much now. I mean, they showed a bit of reticence and there was a lot less of this really blatant in-your-face. You know, they didn't mobilise the pro-communist press in the way they have now to say, you know, you know vote for anybody you like as long as it's Carrie Lamb. They didn't send the number three ranking member of the Politburo down from Shenzhen in the shape of Zhang Dejiang to tell various tycoons and election committee members who who had been chosen in Beijing. These are new developments, and they reflect the very rapidly shrinking line between what is supposed to be the autonomous affairs of the Hong Kong SAR and Mm. the oversight of of the central government. Does that mean that they think it's it's becoming a,
0: a much more difficult situation here, do you think?
1: Well, maybe they do, or maybe they just think they don't care anymore. You know, Mm. I mean, this promise of of Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong, the famous promise from Deng Xiaoping, you don't hear a lot about that these days, although it was the cardinal promise that was made. High degree of autonomy, a a, a, a wording that is enshrined in the basic law itself, also appears in the Joint Declaration. Mm. These things are kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, we said that, but you know, but twenty years on, twenty. Well, you know, in terms of history, it's not a very long time. (laughs) You may say, I may say, so it's it's twenty years of the fifty years. Yes, indeed, it it is. So we're almost halfway through that interim period. And remember, one of the things that Deng Xiaoping said in the period before the handover was, "Well, we say, you know, fifty years." Of no change. Do you remember that fifty years mm-hmm. no change? And then he said, "Well, it could be longer. You know, things are going to be so wonderful." Or as Donald Trump would think, "Things are going to be great." <laughs> see how that's working out. But I mean, you—it is—it is, I think, very worrying. And and the more you see of Carrie Lam, the more you do wonder about her judgment. I mean, you've got this thing that's bubbled up today about her. On the one hand, she she saw some. Um, gay groups and uh, 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 and and came out with a statement in fact on commercial radio she said oh yes well you know if if there is a, a a demand for um same-sex marriage we could certainly have a consultation on this and then the usual suspects clustered around and said oh this will end civilization as we know it you know no person in hong kong would be safe to walk the streets if we had same-sex marriage mm. and and through her spokesman she said oh well she said when i said we shall have a consultation on this. Of course. I didn't mean we'd have a consultation if it's going to divide society. Well, Carrie, let me tell you, every piece of social legislation ever in history has divided Society. society. So if you want as an excuse not to do anything on these things, you can always use that excuse. It's pathetic. It doesn't mean anything. And you look at all the societies. I mean, I'm just talking about gay marriage now. Mm. where this was highly controversial, highly controversial, before it was enacted. And I can't think of a single one of the countries that now have it on the statute books, ranging from South Africa, in Africa, obviously, to Britain, in Europe, to certain states of of the United States of America, where it's been on the books, and people are now going, I wonder what all the fuss was about. Steve Vines is with us this morning. Punk back in the day, weren't you? Uh, (laughs) uh, Can I pledge the fifth on that? (laughs)
0: 1976, The Damned came out with the first uh, uh, punk song in the UK. Um, And they're still around today, 41 years. Yes, it's sad, isn't it? There you go. (laughs) uh,
1: Have the uh, the words retire gracefully ever... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they're coming back to Hong Kong. I know, I know. <laughs> God, there's uh, a concert I won't be going to.
0: Yeah, well, uh, quite a lot of people will be, and we'll be talking to Pinch, who is the drummer. Oh, well, from, I'm sorry
1: to be rude. I'm uh, from, sure he's fabulous. From the Damned. I'm
0: uh, sure he's fabulous. A little
1: bit later on. So, uh,
0: um, and that was what the, their biggest hit. Actually, that wasn't really a punk song. That was the, the Barry Ryan song from the late 60s, which was redone by the Damned in uh, in the 80s. Um, their stuff's a little bit more hardcore. Anyway, we're going to talk hardcore mobile phones, right? And, and And retrospectives. Yes.
1: Really. (laughs) Uh, uh, Can I just say, the best news of the week, and the listener may recall that I have been a very, very strong advocate of this for a very long time, Mm -hmm. was news that the Nokia 3310, that lovely, simple, (laughs) iconic phone, is going to be put back in production. Now, Mm. I sadly at the moment am no longer a Nokia owner because I couldn't get A replacement for my other Nokia phone, Mm. so I had to, you know, I had to sort of abandon the fins for a well because Microsoft bought them, didn't they? And they've sort of of squeezed out. And then they, well, I think they sold off the the, the telephonic Mm. production part of of the company and they bought the other dud part of the company, so well done, Microsoft, they're, they're quite good at that. <laughs> They've never done that before, have no, they? No, no, never, except for the last time. <laughs> um, but so I had to. I have to settle, and I, I have it here, and um, mm. I, I, I've shown it to you, so I, I have proof of it. I have here at the Samsung Anycall, which, mm. which is still in production and is very similar to the Nokia. I mean, it has very sophisticated functions, including a calculator. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knew? And and it has dates, you know, a calendar for wow. many years. So so it's it's quite a sophisticated bit of kit. But quite seriously, mm. it has battery life that makes the average smartphone look like something out of the dark ages. Mm. It has a microphone, and the Nokia had this as well, which was good enough for broadcast sound recording. I know because I've done it regularly. And it is... Ludicrously easy to use. It is very light. Mm. It is very compact. And almost impossible to get stolen. I've never had mine stolen, even though I've had it for a very long time. But no one wants it, yeah. Okay. Well that's uh. I know. You see, that shows you, <laughs> may I say, that shows you how low the populace have sunk. But but the very smart people who bought the rights to the telephonic arm of Nokia Mm. have suddenly realised, you know what? Mm. We had an excellent phone. It's kind of indestructible, the 3310, right? It was. uh, uh, um, I mean, it wasn't quite indestructible. Mine actually got destructed (laughs) in a motorcycle accident. Oh, okay. But it needed something like that to to, to do it. Uh, Well, Mm. what basically Mm. happened was the screen cracked. Mm. And I was... I know people laughed at me. Huh. Well, Well, now, you know... It's my time, son. People laughed at me because I was I was roaring around Hong Kong trying to find a replacement for the cracked screen. Actually, the phone worked, but the cracked screen was a bit of an issue, and nobody would nobody would replace the cracked screen for me. About 15, I was very disappointed.
0: About 15 years ago, I bought my mother, my dearly departed mother, a uh, Nokia 3310. And uh, then when she died four or five years ago, um, I was going through her stuff, as you do, and... There it was. yeah, In pristine in box, condition? In the box, pristine condition, never been used. So I now have a mint original uh, Nokia 331, which I will
1: now bring out. Am oh. I green with envy or what? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, but, but, but there is a general point here. I mean, you're talking to a technophobe, so hmm. I, I know you're far more technically advanced <laughs> than I am. But, but, but but you know, I kind of like all this stuff. I like a computer. That is a glorified typewriter with some communication, you know, aspects to it. Because even I, apparently, I mean, I've spotted the fact that the interweb is here to stay, and I might as well get on to it. But you know, I, I, I've got, I've got a computer that's more or less all I use it for. I can't think of anything significantly other I use it for. I certainly don't want it as a communication device. Hmm. I, I. I gather that there's all sorts of games I could spend hours playing on it is but apparently somebody told really? me that I think it's just a rumor but hey if it's true I'm not interested and but apparently so- there's other stuff you can do you can mix music on it and god oh, knows what but goodness, I that's can possible you know I mean what's wrong with vinyl that's what I say which incidentally is also coming back <laughs> it's coming
0: back in a big way yeah
1: so hey <laughs> you're on again Steve uh, you're, you're on again I, I tell you I tell you, the cutting edge is the <laughs> retrospective edge. Simplicity, we love simplicity. Actually, I think that is the good that thing. That is isn't the it? key to it. I mm. mean, it works. I mean, s- seriously, if it didn't work mm. and it was an inconvenience, I mean, w- when I lived in, in London, I, I worked... <laughs> this is a bit of a joke, but I, I worked for the Observer newspaper and they made a great fuss about giving us... Um, well, this was... Oh what were those horrible little computers that that you could only see about three lines on the screen well, the, the ZX81 or something one of something like that yeah, like, yeah. I think it was something that's slightly more Spectral. and it was completely yeah. completely useless oh th- there was like
0: a, a thing like an electric typewriter which had a little little yeah, tiny screen yeah it was of that and, and you words. could sort hmm. of hmm. plug it
1: in it was hmm. it was basically useless so I, I don't have any nostalgia for that and then when i came to hong kong and had um, <clears throat> an interesting time as as editor of the Eastern Express. The good people at the Oriental Press Group bought me one of those. Do you remember those great big phones? They used to call them water bottle phones, where you could do bodily assault with them with no <laughs> trouble whatsoever. And I used to lug <laughs> this brick like around. Brick. Yeah, yeah, so that you know, I'm not that I'm not that anti-deluvian. I just like everything old. That was pretty damn useless as well. But you know, <laughs> very rapidly from there. We, we got into the sort of what I call the Nokia age, which I believe is the golden age of communication. And it, it all worked. It was compact. It was convenient. It did what it said on the tin. What wasn't to love?
0: We know what your Christmas present will be, Steve. We will be buying you a Nokia <laughs> Oh, say, well, no. I can't
1: wait.
0: excited to hear it. I bet <laughs> she's got a Nokia. <laughs> I, bet she, I bet she has. Um, I, in the interest of being fair to our upcoming musical guests, I should uh, uh, point out that we're also going to be having uh, Norman Jay, uh, DJ Norman Jay, um, in after 12 o'clock today, um, to talk about what he's up to. He's up to a gig as well, and um, he's quite famous in in uh, house music, and, of course, you're a big house fan, uh, steve aren't you
1: yeah he's coming for the arts festival is he um have i got that right good good, good (laughs) question (laughs) anyway he's going to
0: be uh, telling us about uh, some of the cool things that he's doing at the moment and uh, mbe yeah
1: mbe indeed mbe yes Yes, absolutely so when did dj's become mbe i'm just asking
0: (laughs) there's a hope for us yet there's a hope
1: i know (laughs) (laughs) okay um let's come close to the home right yes um well a, a story that I was reading this morning, which which caught my eye, it's, it's, it's one of these numerous government quangos, um, the University Grants Commission or Committee, I can't remember what the C stands for, UGC anyway, mm. and um, their activities have been scrutinised by the public, command, the public Accounts Committee. So what are they supposed America. to do? What are so the University Grants Commission essentially provides funding for, as it says on the tin, for universities. Mm. Um, one of its responsibilities, or one of its primary responsibilities, is to administer funding for students wanting to go to university. And one of the things that the Public Accounts Committee has discovered is that its, its quota for local students has remained unchanged at, um, let me look this up, it has remained... Excuse me. It's remained unchanged at 15,000 per year, Mm. despite the fact that something like 22,000 sixth formers graduate with sufficient qualifications to go to university. But, you know, they don't all come from families that can afford to send them to university. I mean, it's tragic Mm. that a society as rich as Hong Kong. And presumably that number is growing. The sixth formers is growing. I assume it is. Um... And if the UGC, which seems to be a, a sort of mutton-jeff organisation, is doing nothing for these people, and, you know, you look at that body, it's a typical one of these bodies that, 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 that is set up like all the government quangos, it's the same old suspects on it. Mm. I mean, this one, over its watch, apparently, again, according to the Public a- Accounts Committee, it, it, it's let the following through. In 2005, the 2005-2006 academic year, um, it authorised expenditure of three point nine million dollars on having visiting overseas academics come to Hong Kong universities. Okay. By twenty fifteen that amount went from three point nine million to sixteen point two million. Now, a jump? That, that that's a bit of a jump. Hmm. By my calculation, that's something like a fivefold increase. Why? No explanation offered. Now, there may be an explanation, but no explanation offered. But then, you know, this is a body where 26 of its members haven't even bothered to file, or have bothered to file, but it's somehow got lost their um, possible conflicts of interest under a register of interest, really? which all of these public how, bodies... How many people... Are,
0: what, how big an organisation is that? It does sound there? pretty
1: big. If 26 of its members can't be, what's it, to, um, you know... So they they basically haven't declared what their conflicts are. Yes, or uh, I mean, maybe there are are none. But the whole point of having a register Mm. is to to increase transparency so that people know. I mean, if there isn't, there isn't. Well and good. You've got to, you know, you've got to declare it. And you know, it just seems that these bodies, because they're a perpetual circle of the same people, get into this sort of rut of. You know, going oh well, you know I'm, I'm a member of the UGC. I'm a very important person. You know that <coughs> to do with universities, so that makes me a <coughs> at least a professor. Um, you know, it, it, it shows slackness. Hmm. It shows an inattention to detail. This business with the visiting academics, and it shows, I think, neglect, because if there are so such a high percentage of sixth formers who who are not going to university because it's impossible for them to get the funding. <laughs> this is a this is a terrible squandering of resources now i'm i'm somebody who has always believed that you put the bulk of your money into primary education because this is where it really really matters for children it's those early crucial Years mm. that 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 makes sure. a difference, but you know, but but that doesn't mean that you don't pay attention to universities. I mean, you know, it's not an either or; it's an and or. Well, it's I mean,
0: you know, as an out- outsider looking in, it's easy to make uh, for me to make a judgment, but uh, it does it does seem that uh, they're less focused on the educational aspects of what they're doing than you know. There's all these other things that they the, shouldn't the grandeur,
1: they... You know, they love going. I mean, mm. I'm I'm around universities a lot. You, you the, I know that the UGC people love going to ceremonies, opening this you know, uh, presiding over this, wearing little florets and blah, blah, blah. They seem to get off on that very big time. And, and Universities have numerous ceremonies. And at all, these all at the expense,
0: though, of, of of getting students through the door, which is obviously yeah. what, what it's
1: really I about. I mean, you know, I know universities are supposed to be centres of excellence, particularly for research. But, you know, they are also educational institutions. Mm I I, I mean, this is kind of ABC of universities. I'm not revealing some great unknown truth. But, I mean, it seems in Hong Kong that the educational aspect of universities, which is a crucial part of their function, is somehow sacrificed for the glory stuff. But, that, I mean, some, that, that is indicative,
0: possibly, of a deeper problem, which I think we're all aware of anyway, which this kind of thing spreads to many bureaucracies, doesn't it? Doesn't you know, it just? With, doesn't we, it we, just? We've we we almost taken our, our, our eye off the ball and, uh, yeah. you know, we're focused on stuff that makes us feel good as opposed to actually getting the job done.
1: Exactly. And, and, I mean, in the case of universities, none of this is an end in itself. It's, it's part of a very important contribution to the development of society. And, you know, while the government endlessly talks about you know high tech hubs here and you know centers of this here and hubs for that here do you know what you need people
0: and you it, need people it, who know what they're doing
1: and and you need people who have mm. a mindset you know mm. that, that, like all all stupid and 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 uh, uh, Neanderthal um, politicians. The politicians here says, "Oh, we want students all to do a practical subject, so you know they can all become you know practical scientists or." But you know that's not what university education is about. They're not vocational training colleges. Hmm. They are there to develop an ability to think, an ability to understand. Maybe they don't want students with an ability to think, think. an ability to understand. But hmm. you know they are not. They are not job specific institutions. And the more you hear, and Chong-Ying is very keen on this, the idea that somehow if students can all be doing practical subjects, all will be well. This is Horlicks 101. It really is. As
0: ever, a great week uh, of, of a hotbed of uh, topics. Steve, thanks very much. Have a great week. It will be great next week. <laughs>